Hi, I am Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! Jeremy and I both struggled with social anxiety and mental health overall. Now we both work to improve our own mental health and the mental health of others by sharing what we did to help our social anxiety and what we learn and continue to do to improve upon our own mental health. What we share is what we learn from our own experiences. We are not mental health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. top two symptoms that plague those of us with anxiety are panic attacks and insomnia. Weighted blankets are a 100% natural remedy that studies have shown will help with both of these things thanks to the deep pressure stimulus they provide. They help the body release oxytocin, nature's feel-good hormone. Weighted by design, luxury weighted blankets offer glass-filled, custom-designed weighted blankets. These blankets use the softest fabrics and are handcrafted by the owner, who is both a social worker and an adoptive mom. So if you're ready to sleep again and get those panic attacks under control, check out weightedbydesign.com and enter coupon code NINJA10 to save 10% off your first order. Again, that's weightedbydesign.com. All right, so here we are. We are the Social Ninjas. My name is Kyle, your co-host, or joined, as always, by (laughs) Jeremy. That's me. (laughs) And then we have a special guest with us today, Steve Harper. What is up, Steve? What is up? I am feeling so special now that I'm on your podcast. So (laughs) the special guest moniker really works for me today. So thank you. I'm happy to be here. I have to have you on. So just wanted to give a short bio about Steve. So Steve Harper is an award-winning writer, actor, producer, director, has guided the development of thousands of writers, professional and aspiring, since he began coaching in 2008. He is a graduate of Yale, the ART program of Harvard at Harvard, the playwriting program at Juilliard, and the CBS Writers Mentoring Program. Steve is also a certified creativity coach who specializes in working with professional and aspiring dramatic writers. He runs workshops in New York, L.A. on a wide variety of subjects, including TV writing, playwriting, getting and working with agents, maintaining maintaining a positive attitude, and establishing a creative flow. And how we met Steve, or I should say how Jeremy met Steve, <laughs> is uh, uh, I believe Steve is a, a leader for the Mankind Project. So if you've been listening for a while, you've heard uh, Jeremy talk about Mankind Projects and uh, shame me for not going yet. So <laughs> Hey, I'm not ashamed. You don't listen to him. <laughs> Well, remarkably, all of that is true. Uh, so, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, you did. You did. You nailed it. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. And as I say, you know, that stuff and a Metro card will get me across town. So, uh, <laughs> so did he, what did we miss? Did we miss anything, Steve? Um, 
Uh, well, I have a mole on my. No, I'm just kidding. No, you you guys didn't miss anything. That's a, that's pretty uh, that's pretty juicy and accurate. I mean, I have to say, in terms of my workshops, I've done I've done them all across the country. I don't regularly do them all across the country. It just sort of depends on how busy I am at any given time. But uh, but I do still coach people, and I do still do all the other stuff. I write plays and TV stuff and Mankind Project, all of that. I, I'm a juggler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mankind Project wasn't even in that bio. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Not enough space. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's one thing I want to start out with, because Jer- Jeremy's told me, uh, obviously, a little bit about Mankind Projects and what it all is. And he's also given you quite the compliment, because he says to be a leader for the MKPs, takes uh, somebody of great ability and a lot of knowledge. So I just kind of want to ask you, so how did you get started with Mankind Project and what led you becoming a leader and doing all that? Oh, wow. What a great question. And, and thanks, Jeremy. That's really nice of you to say, say such things. <laughs> um, you know, I have a friend who I've now known for a long time, maybe 15 years or more, and he had done the Mankind Project weekend. Uh, this was in... Uh, 2005, 2004, I guess he had done it. And then he, he came back so jazzed from this experiential weekend that he kept saying to me, you know, you should do this thing. You should look into it. It'll be really great. And, you know, and, and I heard about it. I, you know, obviously dug his enthusiasm, but after a while I was kind of like, dude, stop talking to him. Like, stop. I'm not going to do this thing. I just don't <laughs> want to stop, you know, but he just kept talking about it. He was so excited. And, uh, there was a website and I believe I went to the website and looked at some information and, you know, I was thinking about doing it. And, and eventually, uh, he said, you know, if you're really serious, you should just call this guy and talk to him. You know, he was the enrollment guy. This was in New York, which is, I'm, I now live in Los Angeles and do the Mankind Project in Los Angeles. But I called this guy, uh, who was there, uh, enrollment coordinator for their upcoming weekend. And I had what was the best conversation I'd ever had with a stranger. It was actually remarkable. Yeah. And he, he, um, you know, I asked him a lot about the work and the weekend and, you know, he sort of told me some general things that there's uh, journaling and games and exercises and visualizations and things like that. And when I asked some other questions about, you know, just trying to sort of check out, certain things he 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 often like came back with a really personal response you know and he was he would say well what are you afraid of in that space or what what uh, what are you afraid might uh take place or what do you you know what what are your fears or what are you what are you here doing this for and what would you like to discover about yourself and I was kind of like oh well yeah that's interesting i there are things i want to discover about myself and at the time you know i was about to have a big birthday and i wanted to kind of look at where I was slash where I am on the planet in my life and how effective my life is being and, um, you know, where I'm going and what I'd like to keep doing and how to keep doing it. And I talked about those things and, you know, this, this guy assured me that, uh, that I, I would have space on this weekend to explore those things that I really wanted to look at. So it was a pretty remarkable conversation. And I found myself saying to him, well, uh, Okay, I'll, I'll do this thing. Um, yeah, it sounds like something that I'd like to do. And so that's really where it started. Uh, and I, I think part of the thing that, that is true about the Mankind Project weekend, 
which we call the new warrior training adventure is, you know, and, and this work, we've been doing this work, the mankind project has been doing this work for 35 years. Uh, oh, wow. and, um, yeah, it's been around for a long time and it sort of emerged out of the women's movement. And, you know, there were some men, um, way back when who decided that they wanted to create something for men, you know, that there are all these experiences, experiential things and weekends and workshops for women to, to do self-discovery and all that stuff. And, you know, where's the opportunity for men to do their work? So, uh, yeah, so I did it. And I think one of the things for me was there's a space of trust. You know, I didn't know a lot about what happened or what happens or, you know, what I was going to discover on the weekend. And it was really about, you know, how often do I go into any situation, any circumstance? And I just sort of trust, you know, as a, uh, as a man in the, you know, at the time it was the 20th century, but now the 21st century, like, you know, there's, we don't have necessarily a lot of trust about how things unfold or about, you know, how, how things take place. So that was a really big space for me to trust myself and to trust these strangers and to, to be in the space of self-discovery. And frankly, I loved it. I like, you know, I, I came out of this weekend really fired up to know more and do more. You know, I also think on some level I had fear of men before the weekend and, you know, and I feel like part of what's powerful about the Mankind Project weekend is I got to really look at those things and uh, it was really juicy for me and still continues to be juicy in my involvement with the work. Same. (laughs) So my question to you, if you're open to answering it. (laughs) And I am. (laughs) <laughs> what, <happened? laughs> what is uh what did you want to explore and oh in the weekend and were you able to do that and how did you get to it or how like what did you get from it yeah um well i wanted to you know as i said i was looking to to sort of see it's kind of for me a, how am i doing like you know what's the you know what what grade am I giving myself for how I show up and what my life is like and how am I doing with my life, you know, uh, as a man? And, and, you know, for me, I'm a black man and I'm a gay man. You know, there, there are spaces in, in my life where I'm just sort of like, how am I showing up? Am I showing up authentically and completely? And, you know, how am I doing that? And, and, and there are a number of different moments in the weekend that I think really, uh, I got to really take a look at what I'm afraid of. Like, I just take a look at like, you know, where shame comes up in my life, you know, and there's, I got to also create a mission of service, you know, which is one of the things that ends up happening on the weekend. And, you know, I I felt like I got a chance to really uh, dig deep and kind of self-evaluate and come out the other side saying, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing some things pretty well. And there are some things that I want to improve on or continue to take a look at. You know, I've always been a process guy. I've always been like a therapy person and, you know, I've always been involved in stuff. And I, I really felt like this was a sort of a supercharged way over the course of just a couple of days, a couple of really intense days to, to take a look and evaluate. And it was useful. Hmm. So after, I mean, obviously you didn't start by being a leader in the, Mankind project. Ooh, kind of, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you were you worked the process, I guess, and kind of I assume you did it for a while. So yeah, I guess kind of what was the transition point of becoming a leader in that? 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, I think when I first, you know, one of, one of the things that I was afraid of was overcommitting. And I actually said to my friend who invited me on the weekend, I was like, okay, well, look, I may do this weekend, but I'm not doing anything else. I'm not doing the weekly men's groups. I'm not like, I'm just not doing it, you know? And he was like, okay, whatever. And, uh, you know, and I said the same thing to the enrollment guy and he was like, yeah, we'll do, do, do what works for you. And I did the weekend and I was super jazzed and I immediately wanted to do uh, a men's group afterwards, which we call I groups, which the I stands for integration. And I stepped into that space and I really, uh, it was really exciting to me to, to meet every week with a group of men and to work on my stuff, like to bring in whatever was going on with me and, uh, you know, and kind of take a look at it in the space of, uh, of, of these other guys who, who were also looking at their stuff. And so after doing that for a little while, you know, I decided that I also wanted to give back and I wanted to sign up to staff the next weekend to be on staff. And, you know, I did that and, and, uh, I don't know, the whole thing just started to grow and grow and grow. And I think one of the things that's true about MKP is, you know, it's a space where, where men give back. It's a, it's, it's not entirely, but largely a volunteer organization. So every man who staffs, not only volunteers, but also pays a staff fee to volunteer. And so, you know, I think by definition, anybody who's going to volunteer and pay some money, uh, you know, those people are really jazzed about it. So, you know, I, I got to do all sorts of things in terms of my commitment and, and, uh, you know, show up on the weekend, do different parts of the weekend. I like to think of the weekend, you know, without saying a whole lot about it. It's sort of like a big road show, you know, it's like a big touring company, you know, so, so there are all these different parts of it and all these different sections. And, and what happens is you collaborate with all these other men to sort of lead this thing. And you take one part, you take part A on one weekend and then the next weekend you might be on part B or you might be on part C or you might be on part A and part D. And, you know, and again, you're, I'm, I'm just feeling stretched every time and also, having the experience of watching men go through this process and come out the other side and, and, you know, many of them feeling delighted and renewed and refreshed. And I just thought, this is amazing. Like there's nothing in my life like this. So I just kept doing, I kept staffing and after staffing a bunch, I don't know, 10 or more staffings, I thought, you know, I heard about the possibility of what we call leader track, which is how you sort of climb the ladder toward being one of the men who holds, you know, in some ways holds the biggest or at least most responsible space on a weekend. And I just kept being drawn to that. So, you know, there are different leader trainings and I just kept going and to my men's group and to these trainings and to staff weekends. And, and it became, uh, it became po uh, powerful, more and more powerful. And, and eventually, you know, what you do is on, in our organization, you go and you you sit on a panel and you get evaluated by other people to be blessed, to, to be um, one of the certified men on a weekend. So that happened for me about five years ago and, and um, you know, still going strong in that space. So I have, I have one follow up question. Uh, so do you ever find yourself maybe feeling overwhelmed with I mean, you're, I mean, you do a lot of stuff and then you're also, <laughs> oh, you're also leading a mankind project too. Yeah. It's like, man, it this is, guy is something. Yes, I know. That's what I'm saying. This guy, <laughs> dude, what are you up to? I think for me, that's the biggest challenge. You know, uh, it's, it's the space of balance and trying to find, find balance and figure out what does balance look like and what does it mean for me? 
I am a very busy guy. And I think one of the things about that is, you know, I'm an artist and I, I feel like I owe it to, you know, the universe, uh, to make use of my talents. So, you know, and I happen to have a handful of talents. So, so yeah, I mean, I do a, a bunch of stuff. I do get overwhelmed. And, and I think one of the things that's valuable for me, both in my therapy and my men's group stuff and, uh, and with my husband and such, like I get to check in with people who get to remind me like, Oh, it's time to take a break or, you know, have you, did you exercise today and have you eaten lately? And, you know, so I think in that way, I, I kind of lean into a space of, uh, finding more balance and, um, and I'm, I feel like I'm constantly reaching for that. Um, but that's part of, you know, I'm glad to be reminded that that's a possibility for me. Otherwise I, I think I would drive myself into the ground <laughs> and I don't want that. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel, I feel like I often have the same thing. Like I know all the tools, but sometimes it's just nice to check in with a man and get reminded of all the tools I have in my, hold on, I have this tool, but where am I? Where my tool chest is it? Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, you know. And I think I read an article. I think um, I want to say a couple of years ago now. I think I saw it on Facebook, and I believe it was from the Washington Post, but I can't really remember. But they talked about how, in this author's opinion, uh, you know, the biggest epidemic facing certainly middle-aged men in America is not you know drugs or cancer or or sex addiction or whatever, but according to this author, it's loneliness. And I think there is a space where we as adult men, you know, my parents, I love my parents, but they don't really have friends. Like my father doesn't really have friends. You know, he's, he's kind of a loner. And I think a lot of us, I was certainly taught to be a loner. And so the opportunity for me to be, you know, a middle-aged dude who has male friends and connects with them on a regular basis through the Mankind Project and other spaces, I feel like really opens up my heart and allows me to not, I mean, one of the things I make up about my dad and other men who don't, who don't have friends or have fewer friends is, you know, your circle, one circle perhaps becomes smaller and smaller. And, and I think that in some ways I would stop having an open mind about things, about people and situations and, you know, whether it's politics or health or nutrition or religion or spirituality or exercise, like I'm in a space where I get to connect with all these different men who have all these different viewpoints about the world. And I think that really keeps me uh, open. Hmm. And what is, in, in your opinion, what is preventing people from connecting? I think it's fear, you know, especially nowadays, you know, we're in this, 21st century, um, it's like a cage match. <laughs> so much of our lives today is like a cage match. And, and sometimes, I mean, we can all sort of and often do point to kind of the political sphere and how people are nasty with each other and, you know, in public or whatever that is. But I also, as a person who works, makes a living in the television industry, you know, I'm very interested in television that is uplifting and hopeful. You know, I currently write for a show called God Friended Me, which is a CBS uh, light procedural drama about, uh, a guy who gets a Facebook friend suggest from, friend, friend suggestion from God, although he doesn't believe it's God because he's an atheist. But the premise of the show is every week he, God sends him a friend request and 
So consequently, he goes to connect with that person and to help them. So it's really a show where this guy is trying to help people every week. And um, anyway, I'm happy to it's a feel good show. And I think there's a lot of television. I'm very aware as a writer and as a person who's worked on other shows, there are a lot of, there are a lot of TV shows where darkness is the name of the game. You know, it's like, you know, you look at game of Thrones, you look at succession, you look at, you know, there's so much violence and death and destruction. And you look at a show like Dexter, where it's about, you know, the show is about a serial killer who kills bad people. And, you know, we've got this energy in our culture. That's about, people taking other people down. And I think there's some, you know, it generates in my judgment, a lot of fear and a lot of isolation and a lot of, you know, the sense of us needing to defend ourselves against other people rather than to welcome and, you know, lean into other people. And I'd much rather be in the welcoming leaning in space. And I think that's what I learned by being connected to other men is that I, I don't have to be defensive all the time. I don't have to fight. I don't have to, you know, I can just, I can have conversations like this one. And, um, and that helps me. Hmm. I know that one. I know that like the fear based mentality when I was in the past and kind of struggling with being in my cave and someone would call me (laughs) and I would just ignore their calls Mm -hmm. out of like fear that I would put that on them I, I put my you know you know challenge time on them it was all story it was all fear and i remember at the, in the beginning i forced myself to answer those calls even when like my brain said no mm-hmm. <laughs> like kind of learning to trust yeah but i think it's really yeah. it's easy i think it's easy both in america and certainly i think also in los angeles which is where i live to isolate you know i, I <laughs> I grew up, I'm from New York. I grew up in New York, uh, born in Brooklyn, grew up on Long Island and uh, lived in upper Manhattan before I moved to L.A. a little more than 10 years ago. And, you know, in New York, you're always with people. You're out on the street. You're on the bus. You're on the subway. You're like, you can't not be around people in New York. L.A. is the opposite. Like, I can go from the house to the car to work, to the, the house to the car to work the car to the house, maybe to the gym, you know, it's like, it's all very prescribed and sort of hermetically sealed. And so if I don't seek out people to have lunch with or to connect with or talk to or whatever. I can literally live my life without seeing very many people. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, just to go back a little bit what you said just a minute ago, well, well, first of all, I didn't know you that you wrote the show God Friended Me, or you helped write that. I've seen commercials that I thought that looked really cool. I haven't actually seen it. You gotta tune but, in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to now. I wish I would have done that so beforehand, but uh, hindsight. Oh well. <laughs> all, all the episodes are on uh, CBS All Access, which you can, you know, you have to subscribe to that. But you know, and also there's, you know, it's on every Sunday night at eight. Uh, and there are new episodes happening every Sunday night at eight until at least until the middle of May. Awesome, yeah, I'll definitely have to tune into that. But uh, one thing I thought was really cool. So you kind of use your your superpowers for good. So like your creativity. I like how you said that you try to you know do or kind of write for shows that are promoting a, a positive message instead of you know the kind of just overwhelming uh, overwhelmingly 
maybe that's not the right word, but the you know, with so many shows like like you were saying, Game of Thrones, Dexter, that's kind of negative and all about you know killing and all that sort of stuff. So, are there positions or, or jobs or, or things that you've refused to to write for because <laughs> they didn't fit your vision or? I love that question. Um, yes and no. I, you know, look, I, I, I can't pretend. Look, first of all, I've been in the television industry since I moved out here in 2010, and I'm so grateful to be able to do that. And, you know, a job, it's important for me to work. Like, I, I can't, you know, have to. I mean, I do. It's part of the reason why I do, I, I do coaching in between my TV jobs, coaching writers and such. So I do make money in other ways, and I'm willing to make money in other ways. And I can't pretend that every show that I've been on has been as as wholesome or uplifting as God Friended Me. God Friended Me is probably the most wholesome and, and uplifting show that I've been on. Um, you know, and I was I was on uh, the show American Crime for a season, and that certainly is a show that had some darkness to it. Although I do happen to think that John Ridley, who created that show, you know, really was attempting to look at difficult issues in in the country through a character perspective. So he actually said to us in the writer's room, he said, there are no villains on our show. There are just people who are trying to do the best they can, uh, sometimes in incredibly difficult circumstances. And so we had a, a real empathy for those characters. Um, but I guess I say all that to say that I just can't pretend that every show I've been on has been as light as that friend of me. And I, you know, the show that I wrote on, uh, called Tell Me Your Secrets, which hasn't aired yet. It's supposed to air on HBO Max in here, <clears throat> and and that's a female-centered serial killer drama. So you know, <laughs> I've definitely trafficked in that space, and yet it is my preference to be on shows that are a little more life-giving. Uh, and uh, and I and I have, although I don't think I don't know if I've turned down a job I've been offered, I definitely have said to my, my representatives, like, I'm not going to that meeting or I don't really want to be on this show or this particular project is not for me. I read it and I'm not interested or mm. I've definitely done that, um, you know, a bunch of times and I do my best to steer clear and, you know, and I have to, and I need to make a living too. So, yeah. so right. could you, can we take a step back and I'm kind of curious, uh, the coaching you offer when you're not writing. Yeah. yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, actually, I think this came partly out of MKP. I had been, um, you know, I've been in the arts all my life. I spent many decades as an actor before I turned, uh, to writing as my primary source of energy and, um, income. And, I think everywhere I went, you guys probably, I make up that you guys have found this too with your podcast. You know, every time I've done something new and creative, I've always tried to find out where are the people who know about this thing, right? So you go to, I went to acting school and yes, you learn how to act. But then I realized I didn't, nobody was teaching me how to live as an actor. Like I knew how to do a scene, but do I know? know how to make a living and or treat myself well when I'm not getting work or how do I get a survival job or how do I keep my self-esteem up or can I have a relationship or can I put money away like all of these things that they don't teach you in acting school the sort of like practical the practicality of living as this person so I discovered that there was a big gap in that for me 
both as an actor and as a writer. And I decided, you know, that what, one of the things I was really interested in doing was a figuring out how to live my life and do the things I do. But B, uh, I realized, um, actually I, I sort of can trace it to the same friend who introduced me to the mankind project. There's a, my friend Mark, who introduced me to the Mankind Project, had also read this book um, called uh, Coaching the Artist Within by this guy named Eric Maisel, M-A-I-S-E-L. It's a great book. I have, like, several copies on my shelf, actually. And the book is all about – it's got, like, three parts in it. He's a terrific writer. And so part of the book talks about his own writing career and his own practice of writing. He's one of those guys who gets up at 6 in the morning and writes – I think he lives in the San Francisco area. Uh, then, so that's one part of the book. And then another part of the book is he talks about his own coaching practice because he was trained as a therapist and he coaches artists. And, you know, and he'll be one, you know, one section of the book will be like, so I was talking to this musician and he was facing this issue. And, you know, and then the third section of the book was, is about exercises that you can do to be an effective self coach in your own creative life. So I read this book and kind of fell in love with it. It goes back and forth among all those three sections. And at the end of the book, uh, and I think it's, I don't know if it's in the current editions. It may be. Uh, Eric is like, look, if you want to be coached for free, I teach people how to coach. And so send me an email and you can get a coaching, a coach for free. And they can, you know, help you with your artistic stuff and they can get practice at coaching. Uh, uh, and if you want to learn how to coach, email me here and you can join one of my classes and I'll teach you how to coach. So I was kind of like, wow, that's really interesting. And I signed up for his class and I ended up taking two classes with him and basically enrolling in with an organization called the Creativity Coaching Association. And I kept taking all their classes until I was certified as coach. And what I do now, my focus really is to primarily to teach writers and creatives, how to survive the life of a writer or a creative, you know, how to deal with, you know, what is commonly called rejection. I don't really call it that, but, you know, to deal with rejection, to deal with how do you get an agent? How do you, how do I show up for my writing? How do I, so part of the, you know, I, I coach in two flavors. One is like the life of an artist flavor and, you know, we'll meet every week for a month and talk about the life of the artist and how this person can improve their mileage as an artist. And then the other flavor that I coach in is materials. So somebody will be like, I, I have this script and can you help me with it? You know, and that's another flavor. It's a different part of the brain. So it's, there's sort of two different uh, things that I do as a coach, but it's super fun. And partly it's super fun because I get to relearn what I know. And again, like the Mankind Project, I get to, to be of service and to pass on some some good uh, rules of thumb and hold space for people who are moving through an artistic process. Mm. I heard you said you, I heard you say you don't call it rejection. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I do, I will concede that rejection is a word and it's in the dictionary and, we, <laughs> and it is usable. However, I feel like when we talk about it as artists, you know, as actors talk about it, as writers talk about it, when I think of rejection, I think of like some major sort of casting out, you know, like that, that you are like, there's this, you know, stamp on your forehead and you're pushed into the wilderness and it's like, you're a horrible person. Go away, you know. And I feel like that's an overstatement about what actually happens in the process of, 
of being um, of not being offered a job. So here's here's my big analogy. If I go to the store, I go to Trader Joe's and I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to buy almond butter or peanut butter. And I decide on this particular Tuesday that I'm going to buy almond butter. It's not like I've rejected the peanut butter. It's not like I'm sitting there going, peanut butter, you are, get out. You know, I'm just saying, well, for today, almond butter feels a little bit more like what I want, right? Mm-hmm. And if I take that approach with my own creative career, and if I don't, don't get a job, I try to think of it as like a no thank you, rather than you're horrible, because I believe that I could be an, an excellent fit in, on any job. But this person mm-hmm. just is giving me a no thank you. And if I think of it as a no thank you and not as rejection, I think I'm a little bit, uh, it's a little bit easier for me to get up in the morning uh, than if I think of, I've been rejected. I've been rejected 27 times this year. That's a different, I don't need to put myself through that. Hmm. Yeah. And my, my follow-up question is, what are some of the challenges that you see in your clients and how do you help them through that? What tips do you give them? Yeah, that's a good question. I think everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of the people I work with, and I'm so grateful to have, you know, I work with some, I've worked with some really fantastic writers, people who are, who are accomplished and, you know, funny and smart and, you know, some who've been to graduate school, some who, you know, and, and, and I do work mostly with writers, but not always. So I've worked with musicians and poets and, I've worked with journalists as well as playwrights, as well as, you know, TV writers or screenwriters and, you know, all sorts of people I've worked with. And that's really fun. But for me, one of the things that happens, I think, across the board is that we're all comparing ourselves to other people because it goes back to that thing about how do I do what I do? You know, and so some people say, oh, well, I should be like Hemingway, you know, and Hemingway got up at five in the morning and he wrote all day till four and then he went out hunting. And then he had steak and then he had beer and then he went to bed. I should do that. That means I'm a writer, you know. And so people kind of compare themselves to these very extreme, uh, ideas of what it means to be an artist. And I, my, my main focus, I think, with artists, other artists and with myself is to sort of ease that to a realistic view. I think it's fine as writers if we write, you know, once when I was in acting school and I was working a lot as an actor, and I was trying to write a play. I wrote a play in like five minutes a day. And I would come home and I would like set a timer because it's all I had. And I was really exhausted. And I would wait for five minutes. And I wrote a pretty kick-ass one-act play in five minutes a day. So I think people can do five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. And they're still allowed to call themselves writers. You know, they can come home from their day job and put in some time. And I think that the thing with writing is to have a relationship with it. And the relationship, you know doesn't have to be you don't have to be putting in a million hours every day you just have to be touching the work and and create some back and forth with it and i guess the other analogy that i often use is about eating you know it's like maybe on thanksgiving day we'll eat for or sit at the table for like three hours you know with family but other than that most of us are like i'll grab a little thing here and i'll eat for five minutes and then i'll eat for a half hour and you know nobody says i'm not an eater i don't eat I don't deserve to say I'm an eater, you know, as long as you have a relationship with food and you're touching it every, like three meals a day or something like that. I think we can do the same with our writing and just say I'm a writer and uh, I, t- I write five minutes a day or I write five minutes a day, five days a week. Or, you know, it's really about 
easing up on that self-image, I think. Mm, I love that. I love it a lot. Just the, the pressures that I put on myself are high, and I, I find myself doing that no matter how much progress I make. I'm always like, I need to get that next big thing. I need to do more, and I'm not doing enough, and I never like stop to just... I like I like the just taking time. Mm. Yeah, like five and five minutes. I want, I, I want to read more. God, I'm not reading enough. Just take. Right. I'm not getting the most of my reading. We just take yeah. five minutes of reading. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing too about the kind of work we do as artists is that I don't have any control over the outcomes anyway. You know, like I just can't. I can't wrestle the jobs to the ground. I can show up. I can do. I can put in time. You know, I can't write a brilliant play. I can just write a play. I can't write an amazing script, but I can write a script. And if I just sort of make it about the showing up over and over again and say, I don't, I don't have to win the Pulitzer Prize. I just have to show up. Okay. It reminds me of my, um, like a social coaching that I do is that I have a, where my clients will go out and we'll talk to people. And a lot of times, you know, they'll quote unquote fail. Like they'll say hello and, Leave me alone. They have that, and it's like I also am like, so huge, and they're not failing. They're getting those reps in. I think it's the same with mm. um, trying to be an actor on certain whatever they're trying to be an actor on. If they say no, like, well, thank you so much for this rep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of goes along with not, you know, not. It's it's not about being perfect, and that's something that I. I downloaded your little thing from your uh, website, the eight things you can do to manifest your creative dreams. So I I was, I was looking through it and number six, which kind of ties in with what we're talking about. You talk about uh, forgiving yourself and that it's, it's not about the perfection thing. And one thing that I really liked was you say in here, forgive yourself as you go, love yourself anyway. And then you say, practice treating yourself like a three-year-old. Can you explain what you mean by that? I thought that was really cool, and I've never heard that before. Yeah, well, it's sort of like, you know, um, I'm not a parent myself, so I don't really know at what age people, you know, whatever. But, you know, if, if you have a child and the child stumbles on the street, very few parents are going to be like, get up, you little dummy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're more likely to be like, oh, are you okay? Like, you know. It's it's a, it's a more encouraging space. Like we just have such, in general, more encouragement in our brains and hearts for children who are learning how to do things than we do for ourselves as adults. And and really, it's about that. It's like, how can I be like, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, all right, well, that happened, and something else can happen, or that happened, and let's have a cookie, or that happened, and let's soothe ourselves, or let's go get a massage, or you know, what can I do to be really nice to myself the way I might be nice to a three year old. Yeah, that's so interesting now <laughs> that we treat ourselves so harshly, especially as we become uh, adults. But you know, we you know we treat the the three year old or however the young one is the way we really should be treating ourselves as well. So yeah, I thought that was a really cool tip and something that's can be especially helpful for anybody with their with their own mental health and just realizing like. No, it's okay. Like we're not, we're not supposed to be perfect. Like we are not perfect human beings. That's not how we were created. That's right. Yeah. 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 So often I think the lesson is, you know, how do I, it's about how am I being with what's going on? You know, I can't always say that things will be definitely good or uplifting, but I can 
but I can sort of ask myself, well, how do I want to be with this thing? You know, it's a really, for me, it's a really good question. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I just had this chat recently with, uh, about how I treat myself. Right. And it's, I always, I like your metaphor more. (laughs) 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 Mine is like, treat yourself like you're dealing with your best friend who you want approval from. Like, how are you, are you really going to be that mean to your best friend? Mm -hmm. I like that. Because it has like inner child, you know, dynamics. And I have another, another friend who's a coach and he, he always talks about when you, you're about to, you're about to do something that's out of your comfort zone or something productive. And I, I always, I told Kyle recently, it's the dynamics of um, commitment and accountability over feelings. So it's like, sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to, you're my inner child kicking and screaming, doesn't want to do something new. <laughs> it's like, come on. Nope. Be stern. Like, come on. We're going to do this. It's okay. I understand you don't want to do this, but nope. Go get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I also find, too, like, you know, not everything is so dire. Like, my brain is quick to turn things into, like, oh, my God, this thing is going to be. And sometimes the things that I try to do are like, oh, okay, that was all right. That was not so. That was okay. You know, that was survivable. My question is um, creativity. And what res- resonated with me was the dynamics of telling your story. I'm t- I need to tell my story and want to put it out there into the world. And it's, it's kind of um, funny timing because uh, Kyle's working on our, the, the, he's working on the website. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have to do my bio. Mm. <laughs> he messaged me like, Jeremy, what's up with that bio? <laughs> <laughs> now I know it's taking so long. <laughs> or at least I'm about to figure out. <laughs> So my fears is, uh, oh, I want to make it amazing, Mm. so I just don't write anything. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's certainly, that's a guaranteed way to not make it amazing. (laughs) (laughs) There we go, Steve. (laughs) So this is perfect. I love this real life experience. So uh, how do I get over this block? (laughs) Well, I think, I think one way is one way you know, is really just to make it bite-sized, like dip your toe in. Like, what would it be like to set a timer for five minutes and then just start writing, you know, and see what comes out and then evaluate, you know, and then maybe the next day set a timer for another five minutes. And, you know, what might get on the page if you just did that and and kind of freed yourself to within this five-minute span, anything I put on the paper is going to be worthy. Uh, and then you could sort of see what you build. I mean, you know, my formula for bios, because I actually really enjoy writing them now. It's not not always, but I feel like I've learned how to do it for myself anyway, is I love to put something really juicy and fun up front. And then I put like credits of things that I've done. And then I put education. And then I put I might just put a little sort of, I don't know, something smart or fun at the end. So it's a little bit of a sandwich, you know, it's like, what's the juicy, funny thing I could say? What are the credits I want to speak to? You know, what's the education I want to own? And then what's my see ya? 
Well, that sounds like a challenge for you, Jamie. How's it feel to finally get challenged? Jamie's always <laughs> challenging me to do stuff. <laughs> Jeremy, you don't get challenged? I don't believe it. I love challenges. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> um, this is good. I think I, like the first thing that comes up when I'm Jeremy, you gotta write your your bio. The first thing that comes up is just like the stress of like oh, I gotta create this crazy masterpiece. Oh god, how do I get started? So much work, so big. <laughs> just, like, yeah, the funny just... thing about the the funny thing about the masterpiece idea though is I don't know anybody who thinks. I mean, masterpieces are all that's all like reviewers say that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like I don't know that that. Uh, that the great artists of our time or of the, you know, of, you know, we were just in uh, Italy and, you know, I saw the Sistine Chapel and all that stuff. I don't know that those artists were like, I'm going to create a masterpiece. You know, they were just kind of like, I'm going to paint in this guy's face today and tomorrow I'm going to do the arm, you know, and then if it's a, if anybody says it's a masterpiece, it's somebody outside you. Like, I don't know that anybody goes, even when they're done, this is brilliant. I am brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like I'll finish a play or a script or something or a performance and I'll be like, I did it. I got through. I hope it was okay. You know, and that's kind of all I can hope for. And maybe, or I think that was, it was fun tonight. Let's see what tomorrow, you know, it's like, I just have to be really modest because if I try to, I'm trying to win the Emmy every day. Uh, first of all, I'm never going to, it's never going to happen. Uh, and not every day. And second of all, I was like, you're, I was like, you win Emmy. <laughs> my web series was nominated for an Emmy so I, you know it's not out of the realm of possibility but it's not achievable every day like I can't be like okay here's the Emmy winning Steve Harper you know <laughs> like, it's, okay. I guess you know, the okay. other part of it I'm, I have such a, a fear and discomfort uh, talking about myself okay I get that but I yeah. think the question the storytelling question becomes what's useful for other people to know Right. It's not about bragging as much as look, let's say you're you're you know, we're on a plane and and, uh, you know, Kyle starts having a seizure and uh, we're like, we need a doctor. And the nurse or the the, uh, the flight attendant calls out for a doctor. Well, you know, if the doctors, if every doctor on the plane is like, oh, I don't brag nobody really needs to know i'm a doctor like no i'm not gonna you know it's not that guy i know he's wheezing i know he's having a hard time but they don't need me stepping up and being like i'm a big doc like it's like get over yourself dude just admit you're a doctor and step forward and be a doctor so i feel like like that like you could be of service by being who you are but if nobody knows who you are you can't be of service Mm. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I remember I went to uh, a man dinner, which I judge you would enjoy. It's kind of <laughs> awesome, awesome um, um, group of men that I, I join. And one of the things I kind of it just, does sound a little ominous. With, it sounds a little ominous with that title. I'm just saying the man. It's great. Anyways, uh, I remember I just so I do the social coaching thing on and off, and I, I've had. Very, every single time I've done a session, like it's been powerful. I've, I've taken a, a, 
the guy with social anxiety and I took him out and helped him. And now he's, he's like the life of the party now. And of course I have it like on, I'm in denial about like its impact, but it's there. Right. And just putting mm-hmm. it out there. And I was like, just doing a share at uh, the man dinner. Like I do social coaching and I have like three, four men like, Oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? I'm like, oh, what, what? Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was just, just saying it, just putting it out there and not just overselling it. I think it was a powerful thing yeah. for me. I think the thing, too, about the artist's life that I talk about a lot, like not everybody in Hollywood is going to hire me. I'd like to say that they all will, but they won't. So the whole task is I got to find my peeps. You know, I got to find people who dig what I'm bringing, you know, how I write, what I write about, maybe who relate to my background, maybe who went to school with people who think like me and maybe look like me and maybe dig my vibe or you know, people are theoretically looking for what I bring to a writer's room or a writer's experience. But if I don't tell them, if I don't advertise a little bit, then those people who are looking for me are never going to find me. And so in that way, it's it's also, you know, that's an extension of that service piece. Like, I can't, you know, I'm, if people are looking for a doctor and I'm not hanging out my shingle, then they'll never find me. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this. This relates to everything. Um, <laughs> even like dating, I feel like because uh, I've done some dating coaching, I've seen men just so scared of saying the right things that they don't say anything. Yeah. And I've had, and it's just, just the person that says hello. <laughs> it's, yeah. Right. Like, well, wow. What did what did he say to you? That was so amazing. Like, you just said hi. <laughs> I just I, just, I know you. Exists. Yeah. yeah. So, um, changing gears a little bit. Uh, me myself, I'm a I'm a morning routine person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love doing my morning routine. I love uh, experimenting with it, trying out different habits, basically to you know really just prep me for the day and kind of get me going is there anything that you do on a daily basis i mean it could be the morning or maybe you do something on a nightly basis that kind of like gets you going do you have any daily rituals like that uh i do have some yes i mean i'm you know i'm in a mode now because of you know we're wrapping up the writer's room god friended me so i am writing every day which i dig you know i'm working on several different projects actually and touching each one every day which I'm having fun. I'm working on a play and a TV script and a screenplay. And that's fun. Um, but really, my mornings, you know, I do like the morning idea. And I think I read or I either read or saw Wayne Dyer when he was alive, had a, you know, a, one of those shows on PBS. And he talked about how you could wake up and say, good God, it's morning. Or you could wake up and say, good morning, God. So I try to... I try to uh, I try to wake up saying good morning, God, and just kind of greeting the universe. And, um, you know, I certainly see myself as a spiritual person. So I wake up and I do a little good morning, God, and I do a little prayer. And then I uh, I went actually to a retreat, a meditation retreat that's actually connected to the Mankind Project called uh, Warrior Monk. And um, and I learned I've been meditating for a long time, but I learned some stuff that's really useful. So and I bought a meditation cushion. And, um, what? I, I'm not super serious. I know that sounds really kind of whatever, but I, I, 
after I uh, after I do my prayer, I I get up and I you know probably go to the bathroom first, and then I go to my meditation cushion and I sit down and and I'll meditate for a bit and um, yeah, and after that I start my day. You know, I I might listen to music or a podcast. I make breakfast and then I'm sort of off to the races. But I'm always doing those. The good morning piece, the prayer, and the meditation always happen at the beginning of my day. Hmm. So it's just that uh, kind of being excited for the day as opposed to, like, oh, another day. Yeah, it's just sort of, I feel like it, to me it opens up the possibility. Like, I just invite in something other than my brain to just sort of help me greet the day and greet the day with ease. I used to, I used to not like waking up. And I used to make a lot of noise when I woke up. I have an older brother. And when we were in elementary school, my brother started, he would like make fun of me. He'd be like, okay, you don't have to make noise. You don't have to be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that when I would get up. And he was like, just because you don't like to get up doesn't mean you have to wake up the whole house. He probably doesn't remember saying that, but I do. So I, I think I work really hard to ease into the day because I love sleep so much. I sleep really well. And, uh, I think, you know, some, some part of me doesn't want to get up. And so I, I, I've tried to create a routine that's like, oh, it, this, it'll be good today. It'll be good. This will be good, man. Yeah, I like that. I, uh, something I've been doing recently, even before I even get out of the bed, I'll just start thinking of things in my head that I'm grateful for that just okay. kind of keep me in that, in that mindset to get, to get myself to actually get out of bed instead of thinking, Oh man, I'm really tired, but I really need to get up because that's how I was waking up every morning. So probably yeah. the past two weeks or so, I've just been going straight to gratitude. As soon as I wake up, it's what I start thinking of, and it's it really has helped a lot. Yeah, I love hearing that. I I, I do a gratitude. My husband and I do a gratitude list every evening, and um, you know, and sometimes I'll do it in the morning too. I feel like there's, you know, just just even being able to say like, oh, I love this pillow, and oh man, these pajamas are so great. My blanket, I love the blanket. You know, like that's it's really nice. It's, it's interesting. I hear, I hear that over and over again. The like gratitude. It's, it's, I hear it over and over again, as I said. And how can, if it's so, has so many benefits, why do most how can people don't do it as much? How can people don't do the gratitude you know, as much? I think it goes back to this this negative culture thing. Like we're in this. You know, just like the dark TV shows and the, the nasty politicians, like we're in this space of, you know, think about like when you see people wearing T-shirts, how often do you see people wearing T-shirts that say like, life sucks? You know, <laughs> how often do you, are they wearing T-shirts that are like, what a great day? You know, it's like somehow we think it's there are brownie points in being cynical and nasty and being, you know, being a badass before someone's a badass with you. Like, it's a whole cultural thing that I think we do, probably even across the world. Like, we're just gunning to get somebody before they get us. Mm. I love that. I've been wanting to do, I kind, of, I kind of did. I had this idea of doing, like, a positive psychology clothing line. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> and uh, I, it's interesting, like, looking back at it, I haven't thought about it in a while. I'm... Uh, I was in the very beginning stages and I sold some shirts. Like people mm-hmm. loved it. And I bet. I kind of talked myself out of doing it because I had this like, what's new? What's new? What's something else that's shiny? Like, <laughs> if anything, that kind of makes me want to go back to that. 
Uh, well, there is that, that company. There is that company called Life is Good. You know, I've got a couple of their hats, and they make T-shirts and jackets and stuff. And I think you know, it's to me, it's it's kind of revolutionary given given who we are as a people in the 21st century to wear a hat that says life is good. Like who does that? You know, like I do that kind of cool. I think I love it. Yeah. Mine was like more of mine was like a community dynamic for, you know, I'm all about like strength and human connections. Mine was just like messages of like, you're doing great. You're doing the best you can. It would be one of the messages on the shirt or, or, um, you know, I'm on your team or, um, just, just positive, yeah, board of things that they're on a t-shirt. People when they read it, they're like, "Oh, that feels good here." Actually, you see, like, those my business cards for a little bit. They have like a different positive message, like you're a gift to this world, or um, you know, you're naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. Just like random yeah. messages, oh, I'm I'm beautiful. I'll buy a shirt. A shirt. You could sell them. Sell them related to the podcast, like um, you know, on the show notes page, you can buy the cool shirts. Oh, Kyle. Kyle. All right. <laughs> Think about it. No printer. Our guests will be our first customers. <laughs> we'll kill everyone to buy one. <laughs> you can be like a, one of those uh, you know, Jurassic Park rides. <laughs> you can get a T-shirt after, like I survived the ride. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get a complimentary yeah, survive the sure. podcast. <laughs> It's a big feat no. to survive this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know we're coming to a close, but I always like to ask this question. Um, if you could get one message out to everyone in the world, what would it be? Hmm. One message out to everyone in the world. I think <laughs> yeah, right? I think to me... Um, it's something along the lines of like, um, kindness is a superpower. That you know? is a t-shirt. <laughs> <Or> it should be. <laughs> love I love it. Well, um, I know we're about the hour mark. Um, I'm, I think we're about ready to close shop up here. Don't want to keep Steve up late too much longer. Actually, it's only about five o'clock your time. Well, let's keep me up late. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, th- uh, thanks for coming on, Steve. Uh, if people are wanting to follow you, kind of seeing what you're doing, where can we find you at? What shows are you doing? Give yeah, us the sure. A couple of things you can find me uh, on Twitter. Uh, I tweet every day, multiple times a day, a day at, at Harper wow. Gates, uh, or at your creative life. Uh, actually the second E is missing because I couldn't fit all the letters in, but those are two good places to find me. And you can also, uh, check me out on the web at both, uh, harpercreates.com and yourcreativelife.com. Awesome. There you have it. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Yeah, um, super fun to be here. Yeah, yeah, we love having you on. So looking forward to sharing this out with our audience. I think uh, people are going to get a lot out of this, and I know I have. Uh, I say this with all all the guests. I'm sitting here taking notes the whole time. So <laughs> after this podcast, I'm going to type them all up, and uh, I'll probably review them over tomorrow. But, uh, 
Yeah, everybody go follow Steve Harper. Go check out what he's doing. I'm going to go check out God Friended Me this Sunday night, so <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah, Sunday night today. <laughs> Sunday night today. <laughs> All right, everybody go watch it. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll see you guys later.